Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm your blind host, but I'll be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts, just me here, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you think you might have a paranormal issue, we can get to you. California is a big state, so it might take us a bit to get to you, but uh, we can do that for you. We also have affiliates in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. How does that grab you? Did I forget anybody? Oregon, Washington? No, I got it. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody. We're here for an afternoon show, which is kind of rare for us, but it's also kind of fun for us at the same time. Great friend of mine, Anna Maria Manalo. We uh, have read at least two, of, at least two, almost three of her books live on our Sunday readings, and we're about to read another one probably in March. February, mid-February, March, we're, we're going to get into her new book, Unholy Structure. As you can tell today, I'm wearing glasses again. Yikes. I was telling people yesterday, um, I was trying to make my contacts last because uh, I'm going down to Disney and uh, it didn't happen. And so uh, I don't know if you've never had contacts, you don't get it, but it's a big difference eyesight wise um, because they're flat, completely flat on your eyes. So they're part of your eye. And then when you have to wear glasses, you can't see. And that's the problem I'm having right now is my eyesight is not what it should be. <laughs> so um, if I have trouble seeing the chat, I apologize. I just, it just, glasses don't happen for me. But uh, if, if you guys, guys want to donate to help, to help me get my, my, my eyes done, that would be great. That would be wonderful, you know. Uh, yeah. Since I still got to get eye exam and get my contacts arranged and stuff. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So anyhow. My guest tonight, we met online. No, not online dating, but online. And uh, we got along great. And ever since then, she's been a regular guest on the show. And she's she's she writes books. And I, I wish I could write at the pace that she writes. I think it's great. And the stuff she the stuff she comes up with. The last one about the haunted heirlooms, haunted heirlooms in the antiques. That was a that was terrific. Because I I, I had that experience myself years ago with um, antiquities that I had. So. I was able to, you know, I was attached to it, but I was able to find something in common with that book. So this next one, me being a ghost hunter, um, I'm sure I'm going to find something in common with this book too. So I'm excited to hear about it tonight and talk to my friend and see, see some updates because I know she's been doing some traveling too, so we can find out about that. So here we go, and I'm going to shut up. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 probably forget. If you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see today, please be sure to hit that like button and that follow button. If you're watching from YouTube, let me get my finger pointed. There we go. There's a little ghost. As somebody said, looks like the Twitter bird. There's a little ghost down the bottom right-hand corner, right in front of you. Click on that, and that little red thing will pop up that says subscribe. Please subscribe if you like stuff. Uh, there's over 470 videos over there, different shows, different topics. I'm a journalist, different topics. I'm sure there's something for everybody, so, so, something you'll find that you like. Now, if you're a converter from TikTok, because I did do a live show on TikTok on Sunday along with doing it here, uh, and you're over here checking out the shows, same thing, you know, join up over at YouTube, and you can see these things come up all the time. 
because you know I'm trying to get in with t- with TikTok Live and all that, and that they have a live studio now that I'm trying to get access to where I can broadcast to all the streams, which would be kind of cool. So I'm trying to figure that out right now. But until then, um, I'm trying to figure out logistics. And so in the meantime, I'm still on YouTube and Facebook. So that being said, follow me over at Instagram, Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. We're over at Twitter, Cal Haunts at Twitter. And I think I got it covered. It's California Haunts on Facebook. And I'm trying to remember. I think I got it all covered. Ever California Haunts um, radio over on YouTube. Okay, without further ado, let me bring Anna in because it's always a great conversation with her. So we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. If you guys have popcorn or anything you're gonna snack on, this is the show to do it with. Okay, because Anna and I always have a good time. So here we go. Without further ado. <laughs> hey. hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, quite a bit. <laughs> I feel like I haven't talked to you in a long time. It's been a while. It's been a while. And you have the advantage because I'm blind and you're not right now. So it's good. Oh, my gosh. Uh, The reason why I take my glasses off is because I'm nearsighted. And if I had it on, I wouldn't be able to see your face. See, now my glasses on. I can see your face. But like anything for the like like the other last night when I did the show with the text over on the side. Not going to happen. It's Uh I'm just, yeah, you know, one of these people, I, I, I rely on my contacts too much. And I get so used to them that when I have to wear my glasses, it's, it's a miserable experience. And that's what's going on right now. Oh, gosh, miserable. I'm so sorry. I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you can hear me. <laughs> you should see, doing work on it. Here, guys, I'll show you guys. This is me working on the computer at night, trying to get the photos and everything done for the shows. <laughs> Even with the glasses on. I mean, that's how bad it is. Oh. <laughs> so keep those donations coming. <laughs> but anyway, how are you doing and what have you been up to? Uh, well, you know, Christmas is finally over. I had like all kinds of stuff that I had to prepare and cook. You know how that is. Yes. And then finally it got done and we, we had a quieter New Year's Eve, thank goodness, because I really was just recovering. And I was so afraid of the kitchen. I felt like the kitchen was haunted by me all the time. So finally it was over and I got to clean it up. And I said, okay, we're going to go out to eat, you know, New Year's Day. And and that's it. Um, So finally I got to sit down and I started my new book. Uh, This one has a co-author actually. And, um, you know, Charlotte, this is a different I don't know if I want to call it a different genre, but I've added on a different genre to this particular one in the sense that my co-author is a ufologist. Oh, cool. So he's known in the UFO circles. um, And because, you know, to me, there's a very thin line when you're looking at all kinds of entities, what kind of entity are you actually dealing with? Uh, and this is the crux of the book. We're kind of like, uh, you know, dealing with uncharted territory until we figure out what this is that's visiting in the night. Um, so, but I can talk about that later. But I have talked about that before. I don't know if I've talked about, about it with you, but I've talked about it with ufologists and stuff. After reading um, the book about the couple that got kidnapped in the Mojave Desert, the stuff that happened afterwards 
it makes me confused as to, I don't know if I said this, you know, whether we're dealing with ghosts or you know, we're, we're, I'm hunting for ghosts or I'm hunting for aliens. Well, see, here's where I kind of get confused. If you remember the Skinwalker Ranch case mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the famous book that came out of it, um, and I'm trying to remember now, I think it was Calm Kelleher. He did a, gr a great job, an elegant job, you know, really just, talking about like narrating or right. whatever um, that was about. And you couldn't really tell what those things were from my perspective. Mm -hmm. But then you also have the allusion to something that is an entity, like a skinwalker that changes form, shape, and is essentially very evil. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to me, that's more paranormal rather than UFO. Right. On the other hand, on that same particular area, you're also seeing UFOs mm -hmm. and you're also seeing what you might consider, you know, a close encounter of the second kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some cases, even a third kind. Mm -hmm. So everything kind of got mixed up in that ranch. Absolutely. Well, it's like with that book as well. You know, the stories are that they materialize through walls. They're shadow people. Um, the temperature goes way down mm -hmm. in the rooms when, when, when they materialize. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's what got me wondering, you know, what what if all this time we're, you know, we're, we're investigating. And then I'm hearing reports from ufologists, people that have, you know, been on these UFOs that see these aliens as their deceased relatives. Oh, my gosh. So I'm getting reports of that from people. You know, the last four or five interviews I've done, I've heard about that. So it really makes you wonder, you know, maybe we're not, and I hate to say it, you know, because we all want to, we all want to contact our, our deceased relatives and stuff, you know, because it's comforting. But what if, you know, 80% of the time it's not our deceased relatives, it's it's an alien, you know, it's, it's the mm -hmm. aliens here. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know if you recall the cases where people are seeing animals like owls and deer mm -hmm. and, but they're really just screen memories that they're yes. dealing with. They're trying to grapple with trying to classify what they are. Mm -hmm. And in the process, they think, okay, it's most similar to, and then they think what they saw was an animal. That's something that roams the planet when in fact, it's something that you can't quite classify. Mm -hmm. Um, the, what I like about Unholy is that I was dealing with more classifiable, if that's possible, classifiable ghosts and phantoms. Um, and it's it's an interesting book, and I'm glad you've chosen to read it. Um, I mailed you an actual hard copy because I knew okay. it was tough to read, you know, the, the it'll, tape. It'll be here you're... after the show. Yeah. It's arriving. I can't yeah. wait. You know, and I, I love reading your books. They're, they're real good, easy reads. No, thank you. Thank you. You know, and we are going to do it. Like I said, right now, as soon as I get done to this weekend, I'm finishing up the, 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 the scary Christmas stories. Boy, that book was what I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking well, it's going to be, I'm thinking it's going to be like about Krampus and all this. And oh my God, I haven't seen so much death and mayhem in my life. But it's great. It's a great book, though. Great book for the holidays. <laughs> But even my friend was like, oh, my God, how many times are people going to get yanked apart by, by bombs and stuff? You know? But um, <laughs> so we're going from that. We're going to finish off the Salem Witch Trial book, and then we're going to go to Unholy Structure. So it's all good. I'm excited to get into your book. And then by the time we get to I have another book behind Unholy Structure, 
from a guest from last night, and then we'll be able to get your new book by then, probably. See? Oh, no. <laughs> keep rolling right along. They keep moving right away. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was just talking to another paranormal team today. Uh, and I'm not going to disclose too much of it because we're still in the face of trying to determine whether, um, you know, they can actually enter the site and actually do an investigation. So it's really that new. Um, but once again, we're going to vary a little bit, not so much the genre. It's the same genre. Right. But we're going to actually pick up where someone left off and, and a lot of things kind of like were left unsaid and somehow there was a cut in the continuity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I kind of love teaming up with people on these things because, I, you know, you know, I'm not really an investigator. Right. Um, I'm more of a storyteller and interviewer. And, you know, because in my lifetime, I was a trained counselor. It really helps to try and eke out the information. Um, but because of that, I think what I did was I married screenwriting with my interviewing skills and out came these kinds of books. And that's how I do them. Uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, what, what are your investigation, you know, hobbies? And I said, well, basically they're interviewing people and going to some very interesting spots on the planet. So, um, with unholy structure, I didn't have to kind of reach out to anybody. Uh, this gentleman reached out to me, and I don't know if you know the story behind that. Mm-mm. Tell me, tell me. Oh, okay. So uh, John Curley is the founder, um, kind of like the, the way you're the founder of California Haunts. Mm-hmm. He's a smaller scale agency. He works out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is basically just about two hours north of me. Uh, and as the way goes with social media, you know, you meet a lot of people and you don't know who it is, uh, until you, you know, see all the facts and details about what they're doing. And, um, I think John met me at a paranormal forum, uh, of which I think I have at this point about 80 of them, give or take. Um, so in the same way that you and I met, uh, he reached out and said he had some interesting stories. At the time, I was just uh, leaving off haunted heirlooms, and I was actually writing another book Mm -hmm. uh, that was based on a a situation, a case that happened in Connecticut. Uh, And then halfway through it, uh, John rung me up. I gave him my actual phone number, which is rare for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But then um, he started talking about cases. And one of the cases that he first mentioned was one that was actually ongoing. And I'll tell you this, Charlotte, I learned to listen to my gut. When it comes to things of this nature, I kind of get a feel of who I'm talking to, uh, what feelings they have towards the topic, but more importantly, what feelings I have as I listen to them about the case that they're discussing with me. And one of those cases that was very, very interesting um, gave me just the willies, I guess, is the simplest way to say it. As I sat there listening about the case uh, that involved a death in the family, um, I perceptively felt very heavy, almost like if you were like treading water, you felt like you were drowning, I guess, is the word I would want to describe it with. Um, 
because I do spend hours writing these books, you know, I, I take two to three hours on a given day to really just, you know, type out a chapter or two or even more. I do it in the privacy of the house or outside. So it's a, kind of like one of those things where you're alone. And if you're writing it at night, it really creeps you out. While he was telling me this, the temperature in the room started to go down. Oh, boy. And like I said, I felt like I was drowning. It was an open case. There was no resolution. They were still trying to find people to help out. They had already referred it to someone, you know, at the church. Uh, and finally, I had to say, I, I'm going to have to turn down this particular story. Um, it sounds like it's very interesting, but it's really, it's, it's so open and something, I don't want anything to attach to me, I guess is the import that I gave it. So we moved on. He had tons of cases. We moved on and finally settled on this particular building. Uh, and, and this is a mansion, Charlotte. This is a huge building. Uh, it had changed hands a number of times for the plain and simple reason that when people bought it with the intention of turning it into a hotel or an inn, mm -hmm. um, the people who were in construction, who were trying to fix it, trying to renovate it, they would simply leave. Mm. And we're talking burly men. You know, you never... <laughs> You never think they would be spooked by anything. Hmm. That is spooky. I mean, yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> that tells you something right there about, about about the building. Yeah. So what, kind of what were happening to them? I mean, I mean, there's always stories of putting tools down and the tools getting moved or or things like that. So just just without giving it all away, you know what what sort of you know what, what, what well going on with them. There was a lot of things that were happening, but one of the things that was really terrifying was that one of the gentlemen, and he wasn't even in the building in this case, because it's not even just the building. It's actually the area around the building as well. Mm -hmm. And to make matters worse, there was a cemetery oh, Lord. several yards away right next door to the house. Mm-hmm. The house was so old, the last time it was renovated was right after the war, 1945 or 1946 it was. And, you know, at that point it had indoor plumbing, but the electricity had to be upgraded. Mm -hmm. And the entire area around it was so neglected that it's very hard to believe in this day and age that people would allow real estate like that to go to waste. So the gentleman was an electrician, uh, and it was a good thing that he called me because we, we talked a series of conversations to get the book together. Mm -hmm. And one afternoon he called me and he said, there's something very notable that I forgot to tell you that I need to tell you. And it was the electrician. The electrician was digging cable, trying to do an electrical line mm -hmm. that was in the ground. He was, he had all the equipment, you know, his truck and his tools, whatever they're called, mm -hmm. trying not to hit 
a gas line, which, you know, in this day and age is pretty common. Right. When finally he hit something uh, and couldn't quite figure out what it was. So he started digging around it, kind of like an archaeologist would do, because he was afraid it might actually be a gas line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally it loosened up, and he found that it was the, a femur. Whoa. Ooh. But it's a dog's femur. Okay. Not a human femur. So he figures, okay, I, I should take some kind of uh, memento home. From this. Nice. Because he was a breeder. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Part time. (laughs) I know you have a dog and I do too. He's uh, walking around over here somewhere behind me. (laughs) And uh, so he decides, well, I'm a breeder. I'm wondering what kind of breed this dog is because the femur was pretty big. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he takes it, wraps it up. Tosses it in the back of the truck, thinks nothing more of it, keeps moving on. And that's when he starts encountering other things and realizes he's right next door to a cemetery. (laughs) So he starts digging his way towards the street and going on and on. And that's when there's something in the woods. And and Charlotte, I I tell you, this house just says bad juju. (laughs) I mean, all the way out to the cemetery and the woods beyond. So there was something. What is it with you in woods? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Probably because there's woods behind me as well. And we've seen some things here. (laughs) All about woods for you. All right. I I just couldn't resist. So anyway, getting back to the story, I don't want to run away into the woods now, but he does see some stuff there and there's some strange things that got him running to the truck. Sure. He gets back into the truck. He drives away. Of course, the paranormal team at this point was uh, enlisted and they kind of cross paths on the street. And uh, John sees this guy. He looks like uh, something scared the living daylights out of him. And he doesn't know him from Adam. He figures, okay, you know, just another weirdo. Mm -hmm. So the guy goes home. You know, he's got a ranch with all kinds of dogs in it. And, you know, one in particular that he breeds to hunt. But the crux of it is that one day as he was releasing a puppy that he had bred and trained to hunt, Mm -hmm. a couple was coming to pick it up around noon. The other dog attacks it. Wow. And it just keeps going from there. The only thing that had changed in his life is the presence of the femur that he brought home. There was nothing else. Hmm. He takes the femur, puts it in the stable. They've got a couple of horses there. And the horse starts going crazy. It starts bucking, tries to get out of its stable and everything else. His assistant looks over and he says, you know, there's that dog bone again. Right. Wow. So it seems like this particular place just has a lot of objects that Mm -hmm. you can't take away with you. And another one almost caused the death of someone else who was there. And all he was doing was trying to clear the attic. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So is there a lot of tragedy attached to this house or what? 
Well, from what I understand, the house was around during the Civil War. That's how old the house is. And it served at one point after it was owned by one family as an actual inn. And this particular inn, of course, hosted anybody who would go through that could afford it. Uh, I spent a few chapters actually showing what we conjecture to be what could have happened because there's no record of anything that really, you know, other than what they found in the basement of the mansion mm -hmm. and what they found on the grounds of the mansion, they pieced together what probably happened on that site. And it was the site of a, a battle. Outside, there were bones of soldiers, pieces of metals, you know, things that you would find, you know, in a battleground where people had just ended up dying. But inside, it was even more bizarre. Because then what you have, and I don't know if you've seen this in your investigations, you're probably familiar with it. They saw a lot of... Um, Black smoke. Ooh. And it's not smoke as in fire, although there was a fire mm -hmm. in the house. And so when they went into it and investigated it, they discovered part of the mansion towards the back was newer than the front. Oh, boy. And that was where the fire was, where the kitchen was located. A lot of people died in that fire, mostly the people who were servants helping out in the kitchen, mm -hmm. which sounded to me like either way back when there was only one family that owned it, or maybe in the day of when there was the inn. And during that time, and this is what I extrapolated from it, there was a young woman who is a ghost in the mansion that whispered fire to the gentleman who was clearing the attic. John heard the voice. Mm -hmm. He also witnessed this kind of like a smoke coming out. It was a black smoke and it was forming into something like a human figure coming out of the stairwell. And he unfortunately got cornered in the bathroom at one time. And as he was leaning down, he felt something intently looking at him. And he felt eyes boring right through him. That he felt that if he had looked up, he would have seen the face of a demonic entity. Spooky. Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah. So it was a very involved investigation. It was longer than what they anticipated they would do. Uh -huh. It was probably the worst time because he had just lost two of his people. And he unwittingly enlisted his wife, who was very willing to help out. Uh -huh. And he put her outside. He wouldn't dare put her inside the house. Right. But 
because the van was outside and there was all kinds of equipment, she locked herself in there, which I probably would have done myself. Um, but, but she had her own set of circumstances that she had to deal with. And then at one point they thought she had entered the house. They heard her voice and thought they saw her. And that's when things started to get really weird. Wow. I had that happen on an investigation. Of, well, not me, but one of my um, psychics actually had that happen. They went into a garage because we were dealing with the, the uh, demonic. And they actually went into this garage and her son was in the living room with me. And she clearly heard him enter the living room. I mean, it, 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 sorry, it, it entered that garage. Mm. Scared her. Mm -hmm. You know, it's weird because it seems like whatever these things are, they have the capacity to be like a doppelganger mm -hmm. and imitate someone's voice. Yeah. The creepiest part of it that he told me about that I, to this day, I, I don't know what it means. He was in the kitchen and he had some equipment there. And he, they were doing a vigil. They stayed overnight a few times. Mm -hmm. It kept evading, being taped. They couldn't get, they saw and witnessed so many things, Char. And you probably know this. Somehow nothing was taking. They had all kinds of equipment. Nothing was registering. Mm -hmm. and, and they knew they had witnessed so much. And then at the end of the evening, he's sitting in the kitchen. He had forgotten something. He went back to go get it. And there's this guy that's just standing right behind him. And it was floating up in the, it was like floating up in the air right behind him. And everybody was calling him in on the walkie and saying, it's right behind you, John. It's right behind you, John. You know, and he was, he could only feel something behind him. And I think that it's the same one that was in the bathroom with him. Mm -hmm. Somehow it was following him. It singled him out. And at one point he was afraid something was going to attach to him or one of the team members. Wow. That is, that is spooky. I always wonder about that, you know, whether it's a personality thing, you know, where the ghost or whatever the thing is, We'll look at your personality and think, okay, I don't like this guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna attach myself to him and follow him around, or whether it's just there's some kind of weakness. And I hate to say it, you know, on, on the part of the investigator, where there's just a, a crack that the ghost that the thing can find it to get into. Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder whether it plays on weaknesses. Now that you mention that, because, like, I think when you feel fear or some kind of, you're not sure. I think it feeds on that and magnifies it. Yes. And somehow at some point, I know he was telling me they started having disagreements. And I said, well, is that common for, you know, a team? Because they were smaller. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, it, it just seemed like this building brings it on. Sure. Absolutely. I believe that, too. I believe that too. I've been on cases where um, the two ghosts themselves were fight were fighting all the time, and you know in, in, during their life, and then the like the married couples that were with us on location would start bickering. Wow. 
just from that energy. Well, this yeah. house sounds scary. Ew. Yeah, and, and what he told me, the most frustrating part is because the owners were so hepped up on trying to, you know, they're trying to get it fixed up so that they could make it into an inn. They were losing money every day. So they were hounding the construction workers to do overtime, do what they can. Nobody would stay. Once the night fell, nobody would stay. They were all parading out of there, traipsing mm -hmm. out of there, getting out. And then they had people that were working overtime because they needed the money on the weekend. And they, they couldn't stay after a while. There was an older gentleman. He was very gutsy. Mm -hmm. And even though he had already had a lot of scares, he kept going back until that one final time um, and it involved a piece of furniture. Once again, it involved an antique that really, it, and he was in the company of another gentleman. They were clearing the attic and this guy said to him, um, you know, I got to get the heck out of here. And he finally realized what they were dealing with. Um, so he was never seen from again, despite the fact that he really needed the money. But um, the, the paranormal team grappled with owners who really were in denial. They just wanted them to come to a conclusion, make recommendations, and then say, okay, you know, that's it. Convince the construction people to come back in, get it done so that we can open this hotel on time. And it didn't happen. Did the owners ever come to any kind of realization of what was going on? Or as far as you know, they're still in denial. Well, as far as I know, when he sent in the conclusions and they reported, I think they were there about five or six times mm -hmm. uh, to do all kinds of investigations. And because they get stumped, they, they come back and they hardly have anything on record. Right. They couldn't convince the owner that it was paranormal activity because they could only say what they thought they witnessed or saw. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, finally, the owners just sold it again. So by the time I wrote the book, it had a new owner. Um, we couldn't disclose the location. Couldn't I, I have a picture. I still have it on my cell phone of the house. And I couldn't put it in the book because we had no permission. Right. Um, but from what I understand, it's standing empty. It, nothing has been done to it. The new owner was not able to get any kind of renovating done either. Hmm. So it's a waste. So it probably gets sold again and... You know, what he recommended was to try and get, you know, some kind of intervention with the church, mm -hmm. have it filed with the historical society. And then the things they found in the basement and on the grounds. I mean, you, you can't really, you know, something needs to happen to the place to get it at least blessed. Right, right, right. Well, with everything that happened on the property, especially with the battle and the soldiers, and all that, I mean, that energy is there. It's stuck in the ground. Yeah. So that you're right. That's not going anywhere. So it's going to have to be blessed by, 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 by a priest or, or even a Native American to come in and bless it. Yes. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you get to go to the house at all? No. No, the house is actually kind of about four hours away from me. Okay. And it's interesting because... He said it's hard to get to because for one, your GPS doesn't work once you come into the area, which is really freaky. Right. I don't know what that's about, uh, but I wasn't going to go alone. 
<laughs> no. No. <laughs> and then there's, I, I think there's just some locations that just are just, I don't know. I, I don't know what makes them go like that. You know, this is a technical device, like the devices he used. Mm-hmm. And it just evades it. Yeah, I can never understand that either. And it, we used to go through it too. I mean, I had, I was up in, um, oh my God, my mind's like jello. I, I was in Virginia City and we were up in, in uh, this ballroom. It's a famous place. People won't know what I'm talking about. Okay. And I had my camera set up in this place and I was at the command center and I had a, I had a full body apparition walk in. I could see it clear as day. And I walked in through the door and came around the corner of the table, you know, kind of stood there and then disappeared. Camera didn't catch nothing. My gosh. And he was standing right there, you know. The Washu Club, guys. The Washu Club, that's what it was. Yeah. And he was standing. In fact, Ghost Hunters, when they went, they had something go on in that same room. So it was kind of like, wow, we're getting validation with Ghost Hunters, you know. And yeah, <laughs> it was standing right there. And it was orange color. It was really weird. It had like an orange hue. Wow. Completely three-dimensional, completely solid. And then, boom, disappeared. And nothing. Was there any kind of EVP? No, nothing. Nothing, nothing. Not recorded at all. Back the person, yeah. it was weird because the person sitting next to me, because there was someone in there with me, didn't see it at all. And I clearly saw Only you saw walk. it. Yeah. I clearly saw him walk in three-dimensional. My gosh. So it does happen. I mean, it, hap- it happens all the time. You know, like you say, where you don't get an EVP or nothing. Yeah. And it's frustrating, but I mean, that's just how it is. They, you know, they have somehow they have the ability or maybe, you know, like maybe they're in a different dimension. So maybe we're not at that time. You're not picking up that particular dimension. You know, that frequency. Or could it be Charlotte that you're more sensitive? Yeah. that too. Than some people that you're able to see it. Yeah. Well, if you've ever seen Polar my Express, grandmother's house, go ahead. If, you, if you've ever seen Polar Express without 3D glasses on, and all the all the all the characters have an orange hue when you see them, okay. that's the orange hue this thing had. Wow, the skin was was tinted orange when it came in, not quite oompa loompa orange, but you know, you could see an orange an orange tint on it. I Your wonder if that's symbolic. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I don't know. Hey, your grandmother was psychic, huh? My grandmother was psychic. My aunt was psychic. My aunt and I used to sit across from each other in a room and answer each other's questions before it was posted. Mm-hmm. But one of the things my grandmother used to say to me was, if something's looking at you, it probably is. And one of the things that she noticed was that I was very prone to seeing these apparitions or these actual ghosts more so than some people. And I I don't know that I was a believer per se. I mean, I was just a small kid. I really didn't have an opinion. Mm -hmm. But the house that she lived in that I ended up living in was extremely active. And whatever they were, they had been there a long time because some of them were gaunt 
and dressed like Japanese soldiers that had tattered uniforms. One was wearing an undershirt. You could tell he had starved during the war. And, but they were three-dimensional, some of them, particularly one that jumped over a gate. And when it jumped over a gate, you could hear the flip-flops that it had on its feet hit the edge of the gate. At some point, we thought somebody broke into the house. Dang. And then you follow it, and it just vanishes. Right. When it hits the backyard. Just like that, into thin air. Yeah. That's incredible. Do you think it's because, I mean, obviously, you could see things, your, your, your family... You know, the, the, the sensitive thing runs in your family. But uh, do you think that it's because you guys are more open to seeing stuff? And that's why you're, you're, you're seeing things a lot clearer than everybody else does? I don't know. It's an interesting question because it also runs with some of my cousins, mm-hmm. some of whom I stayed with when I went to visit back in 2007. Uh, and the house that they were in just happened to be on the crossroads of, once again, another massacre. Uh, and it wasn't just me that had witnessed these strange events in the middle of the night. Two or three of them also did. And every time they had a guest in the house, the guest would experience it. So it must have been pretty intense because it wasn't just me. And I think, um, you know, going back to your question, I think culturally, because it's a very haunted kind of country with a lot of tragedies, you know, fighting the Spanish, fighting the Japanese, all these wars in between, you see a lot of the population really believing in ghosts. Right. And there's all kinds of these cryptids that they also talk about, which and then try and classify them. So it, uh, it seems like a common occurrence, and it might be because we're open to it and receptive to it. But um, it, it's very it's very disarming because you don't really want to see these things, for one. You don't want to experience them. Um, and as a child, when we moved from the house that my mother was renting with my father, the last thing we wanted was to have this being, this entity follow us. Right. So it, it went from a haunted home that my grand grandparents owned to a home that was actually infested by something that it seemed like came along with us. That's another book. <laughs> I think that's, that's the one and only book you haven't read. There you go. So... <laughs> Are you one of these people that, and I'm like that too, that when you even step in front of a building, you could tell there's activity in there? I have been to a building. It's actually a house, a very old house that is just down the street from us. And I remember remarking to my husband as we were about to come in, I'm not going in there. We were picking up someone en route to a party. And the house is in this town. And Mm -hmm. they lived in that house for quite a while. But they'd never experienced 
missed anything. And I said to him, let's just wait for her out here. But I couldn't quite define what it was. It was just a, a sinister feel that I got from just looking at the house. But I've never had it before. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's rare in the area. Question I have in that situation now, now that you feel that she comes out, what do you say to her? Who? The the person you were picking up. I mean, are you going to be really delicate about it and go, so how's life in the house? You know, things like that to see if you can go fishing <laughs> and experiencing anything in the house. Because, I mean, once that happens right away, I don't care who you are. You're like, I got to find out more details. So I, I actually... She's not a believer. And oh, I think okay. that the approach I took was I would just probably be laughed at. And, you know, there's people out there that say, oh, you're just dreaming this up or, you know, right. you have an overactive imagination. Right. So I I didn't say anything. It was just that we were in a hurry. We got to get in the car. It was one of those kinds of deals. And I didn't say anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But it is an old house. It's made of stone. Yeah. So that tells me that I think she was saying it was an old farmhouse at one point before they got rid of some of the outbuildings. And it only sits on about five acres of land. Um, I, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of history in the area. I just never delved into it. I mean, we've seen some strange stuff over here, too, in the neighboring farm. Um mm -hmm. And um, but but that's not a uh, human creature. I mean, it, it looks humanoid, right. but it's definitely not human. Huh. It's probably more like a UFO. <laughs> so when you're writing these books, like like this unholy structure, I mean, there has to be a time of when. What is your favorite time to write? You know, it's interesting. What I do is the first thing I do when I get up, and you know this, I got a couple of dogs, so I feel like, okay, I have my coffee, and then I'm going to go and take them out. Right. So I take them out, and by by the time I come back, it's probably about 8 in the morning, 8.30, and then at that point, I start structuring the day. I find myself peeking uh, at what I had written so far and then running it in my head how I'm going to best present it. And I've done some books where, you know, I do first person because it's a memoir. But then again, I take the one that's third person because I want to have it so that everybody could see everything that that person wasn't seeing or didn't know was coming. Mm -hmm. So I deliberate on that. I spend a lot of time kind of like incubating into how to present it I look at my notes and by the time I'm done looking at the notes from my interviews, it's probably dinner time and I make dinner. So the best writing that I do, Charlotte, is usually after dinner, after the news, I sit down and finally it's all cooking in my head. And then I start to just simply write it. Cool. Now, are you up really late at night writing? I wouldn't say so. Um, I mean, that's why they're, we're probably talking this early because <laughs> I, I'm really falling asleep by nine o'clock at night, my time in the East Coast. 
So right. it's from my days of uh, working, you know, early in the morning in a school. Right. So right. I, I get up early. I have this habit formed where because the dogs get up early and I naturally get up early, we're in there. But it takes me kind of like the entire day. And sometimes I write in the afternoon. If I get it all together by, say, right after lunch, um, case in point today, I just had a conversation uh, with one of the people that's sharing with me their account going towards this book. So I've written everything out, but I try and rewrite it and try and make it so that it's clear to me when I finally write that chapter. Okay. So it really just varies. Because the reason why I ask is as a rule, I don't know the, the, these young paranormal investigators now, you know, I, I, I don't know what their thing is, but the way I was trained as an investigator is that you stop at 2 a.m. no matter what. No EVPs, mm -hmm. no nothing. You don't want to be messing, you know, from 2 a.m. on with anything. That's why I was curious. Because there's some people well, that get their energy at midnight like me and away we go, you know. So yeah, it, yeah. No, that yeah. that would definitely not be me. If anything, I, I think sometimes like right after dinner. I get my second energy and I get inspired by something, you know, how am I going to present this? Oh, there's the light bulb. It just came off. I just realized how I was going to write this chapter right. right through the news. My husband's in the other room and I'm typing away. That takes me to like eight, eight thirty, And by then I'm starting to fade. But mm -hmm. one thing I learned, Charlotte, and I'm glad you mentioned it. I had a um, podcast a while back now. And it was, it was actually coast to coast. And, you know, that comes out of California. Mm -hmm. And in the East Coast, it's pretty early in the morning. I think it, it goes on for four hours. And I was the second segment. Mm -hmm. So I was up from 2 to 4 a.m. Wow. And I was talking about a demonic infestation. Oh, boy. So I picked because it was the middle of the summertime i picked to be facing the woods mm -hmm. um i was there was glass in front of me because it was the sunroom but then i started to see some things that i started articulating on the program and it was very unnerving because just my actually talking about it I think even made it come into sharper focus. Mm -hmm. It was almost like I was summoning it. Yep. So I'll never ever do that again. Um, you know, I mean, I'll go back on that show, but I would never choose a topic that was that malignant to discuss mm -hmm. because whatever was out there was really tuning in on me and, by the end of the show, I mean, I was exhausted because of the time, but also right. because I was getting kind of unlatched, wondering if there was something out there in the woods. Yeah, absolutely. Me in the woods. You in the <laughs> woods. But I mean, that's true. I mean, I don't know about these other, like I said, I don't know about these younger people being out there, you know, investigating like that. Because I know you get home from an investigation and you're all charged up. You want to listen to your EVP. I used to do that. I used to, I used to lay in bed listening to my EVP. It was just to see what I got, but it's a standing. It used to be a standing rule that anything between two and four a.m. that was a no-no. You know, you, you didn't do that. You stopped because it was too. The veil's too thin. 
Yes. At that point. Yes. You, you know, it's funny because I think we, you and I discussed this before in another show, how just the act of talking about it yes. makes them wander over, you know, makes them attend. It's almost like if you were, I mean, and I don't want to bring religion up because I know people, some people are adverse to it, but you know, when you're praying to something higher, mm-hmm. you, you do get their attention, but it's a, it's a good benevolent attention. But in the mm-hmm. same vein, because we live in a um, dual world, mm-hmm. when you talk about these evil things, because they're closer to us dimensionally, I believe, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. come over much quicker. Yeah. I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, I've been doing paperwork. I, I've been doing, I had a case where it was a minor demonic. I mean, it's demonic's demonic, but there's different levels of demonic, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was filling out that I was filling out the last paperwork. And I had the and all of a sudden my arm was burning right in my own house with the three scratches. Oh. This is this is like the afternoon. This is like three o'clock in the afternoon. Just because I'm filling out the paperwork. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I think that, that veil is very thin and people don't realize how thin it is. And that's why there's so many cases of of, of, of demonics and, and dark forces because people invite them in unwillingly. They don't realize. Yeah. I, um, I've noticed, and this was a situation that happened to me. Well, you read about it. We were playing around with an Ouija board <laughs> and we, we had a seance. I mean, my friend was 19. We're all 19 years old mm-hmm. and we didn't know what we were doing. And like you said, young people, you know, we, had no idea what we were inviting in. We already had what we thought was just a simple antique piece of furniture. It was haunted. Mm -hmm. We took it into a beach house and the girl who was a friend of mine at the time, we'd lost touch. She brought in an Ouija board and proceeded to do a seance. And things just really, I mean, the glass that you use to move the object or whatever that thing was, it mm-hmm. just flew. Wow. All the windows, which were taped shut against the cold, you know, we're facing a beach here in New England. Right. They had taped shut the windows and they had all this thick plastic to insulate it. They were all just unzipped and the wind was blowing in. And I, <laughs> we were running out of there. We I ran right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like one of those things where you knew there was something that came in and whatever it was, was a very strong force. Mm-hmm. And we ran out of the house. We had to go and get our stuff. I had to get my pocketbook. And then we were, we were out of there. I would have been too. Yikes. No, 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 no. But of course, like that, to throw something like that, nope. One of the cardinal rules we have as a team is that if we talk to people and things have been thrown or if something of weight has been thrown, anything over three three to five pounds gets, gets picked up and moved or thrown, that's not a regular ghost. That, that's, that, that's, that, that's bordering on, you know, demonic. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. 
But it's funny yeah. with these Ouija boards, and I don't know if we talked about that either, how they sell them in the stores. <sighs> and I've seen pink ones for little girls. Oh, gosh. You know, it's because uh, Milton Brown, I'm not going to go there, but Milton Bradley, you know, but they make, they make pink ones like it's a game for little girls and people that nobody realizes. Well, buyer beware. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed is people will do anything to make a profit mm -hmm. out of these things. And, you know, I've seen the haunted dolls online on eBay. Oh yeah. I've seen them. You know, on Etsy, and Etsy is supposed to be, you know, pretty strict with what they sell. Mm -hmm. um, but people really, uh, like, I, I want to invite this thing into my house unintentionally. Yeah. And then it just clings to you yeah. and causes all kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. and it's but, not only dolls. I mean, I see haunted furniture, haunted paintings, you know, on eBay that, that people are, are selling and people are buying. Hmm. It's the adventure of it. I want, I want to have a haunted piece in my house. Yep, good luck with that. I think that people at some point think, well, I saw this on TV. Uh -huh. I saw, you know, all these beautiful things and I want to dare it. And I think a lot of times we dare things we don't understand uh -huh. because it, you know, that somehow life would become more exciting with whatever that is. And it's right. not so, well, I'm sure it becomes exciting because your life turns into chaos. Yeah. And before you know it, you lose your job. Before you know it, you're sick with something nobody can diagnose. Yeah. So, but anyway, I'm going to get off my high horse. <laughs> well, I know. That's how I feel about it too. You know, I see this stuff and my, my eyes get like saucers because there's so many people that take it lightly. I, you know, people on Facebook will boast they have this stuff. And you're like, okay, that's what you want. Good luck with that. You mm -hmm. know, but otherwise I wouldn't have a job. So it's, it's people buying stuff like that. All <laughs> right. So I get yeah. a job. I mean, look at John's office. That's what he does. He has his museum thing. He collects that stuff because you've got to get it out of the house. You know, what are you going to, what else are you going to do with that stuff? That burn it. You know, yeah. So, what about Warren House in Monroe? One too, yeah. See, the Warrens yeah. and his office, yeah. And then Zach and his museum, you know, over in Las Vegas. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what that's about. It's either you know, once you get something like that that causes so much havoc, then the question comes up: Well, what the heck do I do with it? That's it's good to be able to have a a phone line in John's office and go, look, I've got this thing, and I want to get rid of it. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean. I don't know why somebody would buy something intentionally that's haunted. I've been through antique stores in Plasterville where I could tell something's got something attached to it. In the store. Did I tell you about, tell us about one that you think is attached. <laughs> well, I've never bought anything. The only thing I bought is the stuff I bought and, you know, the stuff that I've had here that had the attachments on it. Like the two coins that, that, that were in the Roman guy's eyes when he died. You told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, things like yeah. that. I haven't had any problems. Knock on wood. But you know what? I said that the other night. I was telling my friend on the phone how it's been real quiet here. Should, you should never do that. Never tell somebody it's been real quiet in your house. Because sure enough, that night I heard like knocking on my walls. And I mean literal knocking. 
Like someone was like, I couldn't even figure out where it was coming from. The dog was barking, you know? And then the next morning, because the power had been going on and off, I have these two lanterns and I had gotten home and I was testing the lanterns and only one worked and I've set the other one down, you know? And so I went to sleep, woke up and the other lantern was on. So, you know, something came. That's what I get for saying, no, nothing happened here, you know, because it's going to happen no matter what. But I mean, I don't go out collecting stuff like that anymore. I mean, I was young. Again, you're back to being young, you know, when you go out and collect stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you like, know, oh, I try oh, not I to... About, I can tell you about the dining room set. Oh. Yeah. They got... My, my mom and dad got that from a friend of theirs, but it had an attachment. And so when you go in there, you can actually feel the heaviness of somebody sitting at the table. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Did you figure out who it was or... No, it's still there. It's whatever it is doesn't bother anybody. It just sits there. It just hangs and you out. never used it. My mom and dad used it, but I I very seldom I'll put stuff on there. But I don't go in there. <laughs> I don't go in that room because I don't like the, I don't like the heavy feeling in there. Well, at all, you know, we yeah. we have a home that was built in 1856. Oh, boy. This is in a remote little town that my grandfather grew up in. Right. This is separate from the house that my grandmother and grandfather lived in. This is actually a much older home. Uh, and at this point, it's in a state of disrepair. But I went back to the Philippines. One particular, it was early summer. But it was already very hot. I actually stayed overnight in the house. And I think I shared a photo of the haunted armoire. Mm -hmm. I remember. With you. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Next door to that, did I ever tell you about the black angels? No. That my aunt gave me. Mm -mm. So she collects figurines of saints and angels made out of wood because it's a basically a very Latino country where 99% are Roman Catholic. They made these uh, santos and they are carved images and there's nothing wrong with the saints, but it's one particular angel that creeped me out and attracted my attention. It was sitting off to the side of her collection and I was looking through all her saints, admiring them, making comments about them. And there's always like these strange sounds that come from the house. And there's dark corners all over the house. I would never go in the kitchen by myself. I would never go in the bathroom by myself. Mm-hmm. The room that was off to the side that had an armoire. And for someone who's just listening in, the armoire has a face inside. Everybody has seen the face looking back at the person who's looking at the glass. Except for me. I'm the only one that has not seen the face that's looking out from the glass of this armoire. Mm -hmm. But out in the hallway, she has these saints 
And then off to the side, there's these little angels made out of a very dark wood. And because I was eyeing them, she thought I was interested in them. Okay. She was a sister of my mother. She walked over and handed one to me. And it was, you know, sure, it was only so small. Mm -hmm. But it felt very, very heavy. And I said, I don't think I know or I'm familiar with the wood that this is made of. It's so dark. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned the name of the wood. It was native to the region. And then she said, and I have another one here because they're a pair. So she hands me that one, but that's very light. And it was just the feel of it. It was just a little wooden angel. But the other one, there was something about it. Right. And I said, where did you get them? And she said, well, the one here was given to me. And this one I bought at a store. And it was like a, a spirit store, she said. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I think her interpretation was that it was like a spiritual store. And then it came out, it was owned by a woman who was a witch. So she gave me a choice. She said, would you like this angel or this angel? And guess which one I picked. (laughs) I don't blame you one bit. No, I don't blame you one bit. Did she have any, I mean, did, I mean, as far as you know, was she experiencing anything weird? She experiences periodically the smell of brewing coffee. Okay. And she does not wake up early. 5 a.m., the scent of brewing coffee hmm. permeates the entire house. And the only person who brewed coffee was my great-grandmother. She would also see the suggestion of a woman wearing a long gown in the kitchen. I haven't seen that, but she's told us that she's seen it repeatedly and she thinks her grandmother is watching over her. So it's a benevolent type Mm -hmm. of entity. And I think it wants to make its presence known to let her know she wasn't alone because she was living alone. Right. And it was a pretty creepy house to be living alone in. I mean, it wasn't small. It had a lot of empty rooms. Uh, And she was using the room that had the armoire as storage. And she would go in there, but she said, I never go in here at night. I only go in here during the day. Can't blame her for that. (laughs) Yeah. And one day I decided I was going to take a picture of that armoire to see if I could see the figure. That was in the mirror. And lo and behold, we happened to get the windowsill right next to it. And there was something unexpected sitting on it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. The whole thing's crazy. Why do you think you haven't seen the, the face? You know, I don't know. I, you know, I puzzle over that because of all people, I would be probably the first one to see it. Right. And people have even, I've even posted it online. I published it in Portal. It's in the spine of the book. 
And people who bought the book on, you know how like when you get it on Kindle, you really can't right. see the pictures. Well, people right. who bought the hardcover, a couple of them reached out to me. I gave a copy signed to a friend of mine. They all said the same thing. Can't you see it? It's on the lower left-hand side of the glass. No. So one actually circled it for my benefit, posted it online and said, there she is. And I still could not see it, Charlotte. All I see is just a blank space. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I it think, was not friendly. Yeah, maybe that's the deal with it because Sylvia Brown, <clears throat> what is Sylvia Brown in one of her books? Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Now you're all awake, right? Woo! Uh, one of Sylvia Brown, in one of her books, she says that the powers that be will only let you see what, what, what you can handle. So maybe whatever this is is so hideous or something that you, you don't get to see it. And I'm glad in a way. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that armoire is still there, and she's been living there, and so far, so good. Nothing bad has happened to her. But, I, you know, I really am not interested in seeing it. I, you know, I tend to veer away from anything like that at this point. I mean, basically, I'm going to listen. I'm going to document what, what is going on and, and then leave it at that. Um, the next book that I have is with a co-author. And right. we, we're still dealing with something we don't know. I'll leave it like that. Sure. <laughs> until, sure. until I finish the book and we figure out what we're dealing with. It really is something undefined. And that's, you know, it's called The Night Visitants. Mm -hmm. And it's an experiencer, someone who's, uh, you know, been through a number of abductions or so it appears to be. And something that's totally undefined. So, Char, it might actually be paranormal. I don't know. I don't know. No, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait for the book. So what's coming up? You got your book coming up? Uh, <clears throat> any book tours or anything like that with Unholy? Or are you done with that? Well, I was going to do a book signing at Starbucks in a couple of weeks, but the, the books have sold out. I only have two left. I probably should have ordered more, but at this point, it's a little bit late. So that mm -hmm. book signing is out. Um, I am going to a Paracon in the fall this year. Um, it's hard to think it's already 2023, but yes, it's in the fall and it's in Lehighton here in Pennsylvania. So I'll be attending that. Okay, cool. cool, cool yeah. Cool. How do people find you? Know, you? Uh, people find me. They can find me on my website. They can find me on Amazon. Uh, my website is AnnaMariaManaloAuthor.com. Uh, they can follow me on Facebook. I'm also on um, TikTok. <laughs> You've seen me dance on TikTok. Absolutely. Uh, so we all do, we <laughs> all do that thing on TikTok. Anything for a number of people. I've danced. God, I'm not a dancer, but I've done that whole gig. Anna Maria is terrific. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram. So, right. you know, there's three things there. And the website, what I do is I do giveaways. And so shortly when this book comes out in the spring, um, the night visitants, I'm going to be giving some giveaways there, some incentives and surprises. Fantastic. It's always fun to have you on. Thank you. 
It's we'll fun to be back. here. It's fun. Fun to it's talk fun to, to you. On. Yeah, it's fun to be on. So we'll get you on again, of course, at some point. But uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And we'll be in touch on Facebook, like always. Okay. I can't wait to read Unholy, Unholy Structure. It should be, in fact, another hour. It should be here. Yes. So I can hardly wait. Yes. Thank you so time. much. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it so much. All right, Anna. Thank you, thank you again. Thank you. Have a, great have rest a good day. night. All right. Bye-bye. All right. It's always fun to have her on. She's a good friend. It's funny how you run into people doing the show and then they then, then, then they become friends. It's always, always fun. Tomorrow we're back on at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Craig, uh, the, uh, the guest I've had on before, is going to be with us. Craig Webb is going to be on with us. He's going to be talking about sigh and dreaming. So uh, we're get, get ready because I know a lot of people like to talk about dreaming. So that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow night. Sigh and dreaming. And it'll be at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Again, I'm glad you guys came and joined me for this. Uh, lime bat that I am. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get my I can't wait to finally get my contacts back because this is crazy. But anyway, I want to again thank you guys. I want to thank everybody that, that that listens to the RSS feed. I want to thank all you guys that are listening today and you guys that are going to be listening this evening because of course for the people that aren't home right now, this will be you know you guys can click on this and, and check it out this evening. Um, I'll, before we sign off, I'll show you Anna, Anna Maria's contact information and how to get her books. And uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody. Remember, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see, please hit that uh, like button and that follow button. If you're watching from YouTube, same thing. Hit that like button and the, and that little ghost in the here we go oh, finger 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 the bottom right hand corner to subscribe to our videos because that'll alert you when we're going to have a new one. Okay, in fact, there's like three or four in the hopper right now, just just waiting to be be aired as, as we go you know throughout the week. Plus, we have YouTube Shorts and we have a lot of fun doing YouTube Shorts. And uh, of course, if you're if, if if you're a TikTok person, do subscribe because we do have um, some really good shows that uh, you might be interested in. And eventually, we're going to be going on tic- uh, live with these shows on TikTok as well. But anyway, I want to thank you all. Oh, yes, and find me on Instagram at Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. Anyway, I want to thank you all, and I really appreciate everybody coming today, and I really appreciate you guys. Anyway, I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, I'll get some new glasses and stuff, or some new contacts coming up here. But you know, like I always do on these shows, if you know, I, uh, I, I support this team. I'm, I'm, I'm the owner, and uh, everything comes out of my pocket, to, from internet all the way down to electric, electricity and computers. So if something breaks, or like my my current situation with not being able, you know, not being able to afford to get my eyes examined and get my contact yet, if you feel, feel in your heart to donate to help me out with that, that would be great. Uh, you know, and all the other expenses that I use because it all goes back to the team and all that. That's at paypal.me at California Haunts, or you can do it at Venmo at California Haunts. But otherwise, thank you so much. You know, I wouldn't be here without the, without you guys and all your support over the years. I really appreciate it. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. And here is Anna's information. So that's AnnaMariaManaloAuthor.com is her website. I'm going to try and read these. Haunted Heirlooms and the Way Through the Woods. And we've got Unholy Structure and Portal. Thank God the writing's big on that. Last night I had to skip one. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Okay, and you can get those either from her website or from Amazon.com.
Okay, guys, once again, thank you all very much. I, I appreciate each and every one of you, and I think about you guys all the time. I'm trying to come up with better and better shows for you. So uh, see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific with Craig Webb. Have a good one.